What happened then has become the stuff of song and story. Enough here to say that by his own kingly bearing and through the sign sent from the god, Arthur showed himself undoubted king. But the evil seed had already been sown. On the previous day, while he was still ignorant of his true parentage, Arthur had met Morgors, Uther's bastard daughter, and his own half-sister. She was very lovely, and he was in the flush of his first victory, so when she sent her maid for him that night, he went eagerly, with no more thought than the cooling of his hot young blood and the loss of his maidenhood. Hers, you may be sure, had been lost long ago. Nor was she innocent. She knew who Arthur was, and sinned with him knowingly in a bid for power, Marriage she could not hope for, but a bastard born of incest might be a powerful weapon when the old king died, and the new young king took the throne. When Arthur found what he had done, he might have added to his sin by killing her, but for my intervention. I banished her from court, bidding her to York, where Uther's true-born daughter Morgian was lodged, awaiting her marriage to King Lot. Morgors, who like everyone else in those days was afraid of me, obeyed me, and went to nourish her bastard in exile. Which she did, as you will hear, at her sister Morgian's expense. But of that, later. It would be better now to go back to the time when Arthur Pendragon sat receiving homage, and the sun shone. I was not there. I was in the forest shrine where Arthur had lifted the sword of Maximus from the stone altar, and by that act declared himself the rightful king. I stayed alone at the shrine. I had a debt to pay to the gods of the place. It is called the Perilous Chapel now. Arthur had named it, but it had been a holy place for time out of mind. No one knew for whom the chapel had first been built. Later, with the Romans, had come Mithras, the soldier's god, but the place was still haunted with all its ancient holiness. The older gods received their sacrifices, and the ninefold lights still burned. All through the years when Arthur had been hidden in the wild forest, I had stayed near him, known only as the hermit of the chapel. Here I had hidden the great sword of Maximus, whom the Welsh called Maxen, until the boy should become of an age to lift it and drive out the kingdom's enemies. The Emperor Maximus himself had done so over a hundred years before, and men thought of the great sword now as a talisman, a god-sent sword of magic to be wielded only for victory, and only by the man who had the right. I, Merlinus Ambrosius, kin to Maxen, had lifted it from its hiding place, and had lain it aside for the one to come who would be greater than I. I hid it first in a cave below the forest lake, then on the chapel altar, locked like carving in the stone, and shrouded from common sight in the cold white fire called by my art from heaven. From this unearthly blaze to the wonder and terror of all present, Arthur had raised the sword. Later it could be seen that the wildfire of the new god had scoured the place of all that had formerly been held sacred, leaving only the altar to be freshly decked for him alone. I had long known that this god brooked no companions. He was not mine, nor, I suspected, would he ever be Arthur's. But throughout Britain he was moving, emptying the ancient shrines. I had seen with awe and with grief 
how his fires had swept away the signs of an older kind of holiness, but he had marked the perilous chapel, and perhaps the sword, as his own, beyond denying. I rode slowly back to the town, and the place was still in a roar. Bonfires lit the night, and the air throbbed with singing. As I entered Arthur's chambers, there was a sudden silence, as if a spell had been cast. The men assembled knew of my arts, but the power that had blazed through the perilous chapel last night had been something of quite a different order. So they stood, staring. I walked through the crowd to the door, and it opened, and Bedvere came out. Bedvere was a quiet boy, a month younger than Arthur. The two boys had been close friends since childhood, and Bedvere was that strange contradiction, a born fighting man who is also a poet, at home equally...